Welcome to the Hot Lava Podcast. Kevin Acey, Padres beat writer for the Union Tribune. Jay Posner, sports editor of the Union Tribune for now. Jay. Okay. Jay, it's your second to last Dodgers series. Um, no, it's not, actually. No, it's not. It's my third to last. They've, oh they've got nine so games, games left, Kevin. We've been talking about this for months. Here, There's so finally, many games left against the here. Dodgers. By my math, that's almost a third, and it contributes greatly to the Padres having theoretically, and I say throw that all out, but whatever, theoretically the most difficult path to the playoffs among the contenders for the wild card. And as we talk now on Friday morning, the Padres are three games up on the Brewers for the final wild card spot and a half game back of the Phillies for the second wild card spot, which, you know, it's interesting. We can talk about that. What path do you want to the playoffs? I think they're eight games back. Of, I don't think I know. They're eight games back of the Braves uh, who hold the number four seed, meaning the Braves would get a home playoff game. There we go, Jay. What did I miss? Uh, well, they're not catching the Braves. No, they're um, not catching the Braves. No, so no. That's, this so is Philly's Brewers talk right here. That's, yeah, that's that's not going to uh, that's not going to matter. The Braves uh, the Braves could still catch the Mets. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a there's only a three game difference between and them the, right the now. The season there, I believe. I think yeah, we all know what's going on with the Mets because you know that's all that anyone talks about. Uh, yeah. Unless it's the the Yankees. Um, But uh, no, I I think the Padres, I mean, they finally, I think they have a two-game gap now in the all-important loss column uh, over the Brewers, which is something they have not had. It's been even, or they've even been one behind, it seems like, for quite a while. You know, that's what happens when you actually sweep a team that you're supposed to sweep. Imagine, Imagine that. I mean, they've won... Five out of six on this road trip, which I think realistically, that's what you would expect. That's the best you could hope for. You're not going to say you're going to just keep sweeping teams. Um, But realistically, winning five out of six against the Royals and the Giants is what you would have hoped for uh, as a Padre fan at the start of all this. And man, the Giants series was just torture to watch sometimes. And 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 I know it was really torture to to be there. But, um, you know, every game the Padres had either a four or a five run lead and every game came down to the last batter of the game. And it was just remarkable how they how they managed to do that. And and perhaps even more remarkable was that they won all three games after after doing that. And and the most remarkable of all, Kevin, maybe we could start here, is the man who finished out Wednesday's game at Oracle Park the one, the only Josh Hader with his first save as a Padre uh, one month after the trade and only, what, three days after looking completely and hopelessly lost in Kansas City. So why don't you start there? How did how did every, how did that come to be in those three days? What, what went on to get him back on the mound three days later? Well, it came to be because of what you said, where the previous two days they had need to virtually empty their bullpen and have Nick Martinez close. And Nick Martinez had been declared the closer, the interim closer. And it seemed like that would be the case for the time being, except this. They needed someone, if they were in that position on Wednesday, to do the the honors. And well, uh, try as he might, Bob Melvin could not get Joe Musgrove through seven full innings. means Adrian Morahone has to come in. Then Adrian Morahone pitches the seventh, uh, or pitches uh, uh, the the eighth as well, except he can't get out of it. In comes Luis Garcia. Now the bullpen's empty, unless you're bringing Nabil Chrismat or Steven Wilson in. You couldn't do a four-out save with Garcia? Uh, is that something? Well, you could, but I just was going under the assumption you didn't want to because, okay. you know, uh, Luis Garcia has been fantastic and Luis Garcia has not been so great. So uh, 
you've got Stephen Wilson, the rookie, or Nabil Chrismat. You decide you're going with Josh Hader. And here's what, a big part of the reason why, because you trust your pitching coach. And when I use the pronoun uh, you, I mean uh, Bob Melvin. Bob Melvin trusts his pitching coach. And, you know, I've been talking with Ruben uh, a bit and talking with other people as well. And Ruben Niebla was absolutely adamant. Now, he was adamant before Sunday's game, but um, he, he arguably was more adamant earlier in the week in San Francisco that Josh Hader was right there, that these things, uh, and I think we've talked about a little bit here on, on the podcast, um, these these mechanical things that, that they had tried to work on since he had started to go bad, something that identified when they got him because he had been right. going bad with the Brewers. But, you know, you got to wait a little while and to, to be able to really like get into it with a new guy. A new guy doesn't walk in the door and you go, hey, hey, good to meet you. Here's what we're going to change about you. Right. Um, and so they were adamant that he was close. The evidence on Wednesday said they were right. We'll see. I think Josh Hader's the closer going forward. Well, that's what I was going to say. What happens? I mean, it it, it seems it seems far fetched to say what happens if there's a save situation this weekend because they're that's playing. That's terrible of you, Jay. I know, I know. But let's say there is a save situation this weekend against the Dodgers. Everybody in the bullpen's rested. Obviously, there was there was an off day yesterday. Uh, most guys didn't pitch on Wednesday. Uh, you know, Hater threw I think fourteen pitches. Mm-hmm. Thirteen were fastballs. Yes, uh, they were. How much of a concern is that that he was a, you know really a one pitch pitcher? which, okay, it worked against the Giants. Is that going to work against the Dodgers? And I guess the bigger question is, is he closing this weekend? Does he get the first shot this weekend, or is it still Nick Martinez? Or might it depend on who the Dodgers have coming up in in their lineup? I absolutely believe it could depend on who the Dodgers have coming up. I don't know that it would have depended on Wednesday, um, but he was facing the bottom of the order, if I recall right. correctly. Yeah. And so, uh, and like you pointed out, it doesn't matter. Uh, giant, facing Giants, Dodgers, I mean, it's <laughs> like, you know, who's at the do- bottom of the Dodgers order? Uh, a little bit of a tricky thing for Bob Melvin, right? I mean, let's say that he, let's just say that he doesn't have ultimate faith in Josh Hader. But if you don't put him out there in the ninth, you're declaring that to Josh Hader in the world that you don't have the the, the faith. So, but you got to try to go for the win, right? So look, um, I, I, that's, I, I just think that Josh Hader is the closer going forward. If, if Bob Melvin has dropped so many times, we got him for a reason. Yeah. Um, now, if behind the scenes, they're talking with Hader, and, and and that is one thing that certainly if he's thinking about not using him, I'll guarantee you that he's talking to Josh Hader about it. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, this is the situation. Here's what we're going to do. We really think this. You know, these are the things, you, you know, that we don't think are going to work in here, whatever. But uh, Bob Melvin's strength is, is the communication. But I think this is a – I think this is the time where you go with Josh Hader. I, I thought it was interesting on Wednesday, and I, you know, I sent out a couple of tweets about this, and it was, you know, all all in good fun, even if if people don't always take it that way, and and I think people did in this case, but you know that you kind of you see Hader throwing in the bullpen, it's like you know maybe he's just getting in some work. Well, I knew he wasn't getting in work. You knew he was up there that he was throwing for a reason, but that still took quite a bit of I don't know, let's call it gumption, gumption. whatever you want to call it. For Bob Melvin in that situation, knowing how badly they needed a win, knowing how much it would have hurt to lose a game like that, to go to Hater in that situation. And it, it tells you something, I guess, about, about Melvin, tells you something about Ruben Niebla, um, that that he believed in Hater and or believed in himself in the idea that he could get this guy turned around. And, you know, maybe that 
maybe above all else, that's that's bigger than any of us know uh, in terms of what does it mean for a manager. You know, we look at we look at different strategic situations and all that kind of stuff. But maybe that kind of stuff is more important than anything else. And maybe it doesn't always work because we've seen this team. You know, we've talked for many months now about how they haven't looked all that much different than last year's team. Um, but that was a big three games and a big six games really to win five out of six. I don't remember them winning five out of six last year. I didn't look it up, but during that slide, I don't know that they ever won five out of six. Huge difference so, between this year and last is that. So that did not happen. maybe that's the, maybe that's the kind of that sign that we're seeing that that this is different. Now it could all turn around this weekend. Uh, they don't have great pitching matchup uh, matchups on paper. Uh, you know, you Darvish goes tonight, which is good for the Padres. Dustin May goes for the Dodgers, which is bad for the Padres because I've seen Dustin May against the Dod- against the Padres and he, he's usually pretty good. Tomorrow night looks like a big mismatch on paper with Urias against Manaya, but Manaya's had his good games. I don't think any of them come against the Dodgers though, uh, which is not good. And then the third game, the Sunday night or Sunday after late afternoon game, I guess, on ESPN is Clevenger and Haney, which is actually a rematch from the Saturday game a month ago, which was the one game that I went to in LA. And that was the game where I thought both guys pitched pretty well, better than the numbers showed. And that was the game where Clevenger got beat really on three breaking, three sliders. Will Smith got two for RBIs. One was a home run. And and then Max Muncy, of all people, hit a home run uh, off him, which was the big blow in that uh in that game so we'll see what happens i mean as we know these games are certainly not one on pitching matchups or anything like that the dodgers certainly would be favored to win all of them but it will be interesting to see what happens down the stretch if the padres do they go garcia in the seventh uh martinez in the eighth hater in the ninth i mean maybe that's kind of the ideal setup at this point and you know someone like tim hill can be thrown in there at some point morahone can be thrown in at some point i mean that if as you said, if if Hater is right, it changes everything because it gives you the guy at the end that you can trust and it moves everybody else up an inning. And maybe you don't have to give Joe Musgrove the long leash that that I think he was giving him the other day, you know, hoping that he could work through that one more inning. Right. And, and you know, hey, speaking of Musgrove, um, and I wrote about it both in the newsletter beforehand and then and then afterward. I mean, I really think that this guy a small part, okay, but a part of the $100 million contract is what he did with Luis Camposano, all right? Look, that was a surprise to Camposano, to a lot of people in the organization. The Camposano was brought up when Jorge Alfaro went on the injured list. Right. Alfaro, by the way, on a rehab assignment, probably back at the beginning of the week, but uh, because they had Cam Gallagher down there waiting to come up. You got Camposano, who, look, he's not going to catch Blake Snell. If you remember last year, Mark Melanson would not throw to him. But there are people in the organization who think that he's made great strides defensively. Nonetheless, wasn't a great game on Sunday. Not putting it on him at all. But there yep. was, you know, there were some miscommunications. Blah blah. Joe Musgrove basically took Luis Camposano, you know, arm around the shoulder in the days leading up to his start and walked him through a lot of things. Camposano took that, was emboldened by that, um, and and was ca- and called a magnificent game. Now, they ran into some issues that you're going to run into with a first-time catcher. Remember, 23 starts, Austin Nola had caught Joe Musgrove for right, a reason. Right. A lot of pitches, a lot of pitches. And so I just thought that the leadership that the, the, the Bob Melvin could go to Musgrove and say, hey, you up for this? Musgrove's like, yeah, let's do it, man. Yeah. Um, and I just thought that was uh, that spoke a lot to Joe Musk. No, I agree. I, I thought that was great that that, it, that they did it. I thought it was great that you that you pointed 
that you pointed it out and, and Musgrove talking, you know, talking about that and how he worked with him. And how uh, Camposano's grown. I thought that was yeah, great. Yeah. That, so I, that, that really was uh, something. And and now those guys will uh, get it. They, Musgrove gets a, an extra day mm-hmm. before his next start, which I think should come in, uh, should come in handy before he pitches again against Arizona uh, when the Padres come home next week. So that was interesting. Speaking of what you wrote about to, to change topics here, the story that was in today's paper and online this morning on Manny Machado. I'm always fascinated to read about Machado in general because he's he's just a fascinating player and just someone who's so different than anything you would have expected having heard the quote-unquote narrative about him. And if you didn't watch him play every day and having seen him play every day now for the last few years, seem to have learned a lot about him. But what always gets me is when other players, how other players talk about guys. And yeah, he's their teammate and everything. But They're not going to talk about Will Myers that way or Jake Cronenworth that way. And nothing against those guys at all. I mean, those guys are major league players and everything. But but the way, and and I'm just taking this off what you write, but I you can speak to it better. The way these guys talk about Machado, and they, they did it a little bit with Soto as well. It's like, you can just tell that they, even they, these guys are the best in the world at what they do. And even they know that like Manny is at another level. Yeah, without a doubt. That's, because he's, that's he's the point. bleeping Manny Machado, right? That's the point. It's like your yeah. difference between, you know, uh, someone who's got a lot of money and Elon Musk. Okay, that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about, hey, there ain't nothing wrong with Jake Cronenworth. He's he looks at Manny Machado the way we look at Jake Cronenworth. Wow, look at what Jake Cronenworth does. That's pretty special. And that's how the rest of the players look at Manny. Now, that's awesome. And then it's also like, well, okay. They can't be him. <laughs> you just yeah. like, why can't people just hit like Manny Machado? Well, because he's Manny Machado. And clearly, right. and that was the tenor of the story, and everybody knows about the thing he said last time that the Padres were here, he knows it. And that is kind of why he's able to be that, right? Like, right. like oh, I had a terrible August or July. I, I just went one for 11 in this series. We stink right now. We're going to be fine. Why? Because I'm Manny Machado. Uh, (laughs) So, and there's so much I didn't get into. The guy's knowledge because it just, you know, I needed to focus it. And there's only so much space in print and all that. And and there's just so much more that there's another story in there about his communication with Bob Melvin. Um, You know, speaking of what we were talking about earlier, right? Like, like how big is that? Hey, whatever you want to say. Um, Manny did not have that with Jace Tingler or Andy Green. Okay, but right. Bob Melvin came in and Manny wanted it with Bob Melvin. His brother-in-law, who's very close with, uh, had uh, had played for him, Yonder Alonso, and mm-hmm. other players that Manny knew. And there's no one Manny respects like other players. Uh, and right. and so uh, he wanted to. And you see them talking every day, and they talk about things like bullpen usage and all that. And, and it's like Manny knows the game, right? There's so much I didn't get into about Manny can hit you the big bomb. But then there was uh, this one uh, time in Kansas City, and it happens all the time, I say one time, where Manny missed a pitch, and he was he was angry. I almost used the bad word. He was angry. and But now he's down to two strikes. What's he do the next pitch? Other way for an RBI single. Like, right. he didn't let something he and Juan Soto do that the greats do that others can't so much, even the best players. Um, that didn't ruin his at-bat. He turned it into a positive at bat. I wrote about that with Soto the other night. I thought that nine pitch walk was incredible because Soto missed two pitches. And it wasn't like anyone in the stadium couldn't see that Juan Soto was upset with himself. 
But what did he do? Fouled off another tough pitch, took two balls, including one that anyone in the world would have swung at, and <laughs> except him, and he works a walk that starts a rally. These are two incredibly special players that are on the team right now. And, and yet, when you watch them both, to me, one of them, and we've talked about this before too, one of them changes games yes. more than the other one does. Now, right. again, we've only seen Soto for a month. I'm not gonna, we're not going to judge that, but based on when we've seen Machado for, for four years or whatever. But but there is a bit of, of that uh, difference in them. And uh, but that's, you know, that that's to figure out more. We could talk about that more, you know, down uh, down the line. You'll talk about that next year with your uh, with your new co-host. Um, so uh, <laughs> but I uh, but I but I do think I, I mean, there is a you know, there, there is still something about watching great players, and obviously the Padres are missing one of them this year, but being able to watch Machado day in and day out, being able to watch Soto now day in and day out, there is something that's special about that, uh, and and we haven't had that here for quite a while, you know, other than t- at least until Tatis came along, but there wasn't a whole lot of that in the, and, and this guy always gets brought up in this situation, but his name always comes to mind in the Carlos Asuaje, Corey Spangenberg era. No. You know, those poor guys, I, I always think of them. And they, they're, these they're always the ones I talk about. Situations, <laughs> I know, I know. But so I, it, it is it is good. And and look, the Padres right now, I think it's, what, 73 and 59? You know, they're on pace for well over 90 wins. And now it's a matter of can they find a way to keep this thing going against the Dodgers with, you know, three games this weekend, three games next weekend, three games a couple weeks after that. And that's that's where everything is going to kind of hinge because if they go one and eight against the Dodgers or something like that, that's going to put an awful lot of pressure on all those other games. I mean, that's going to really limit your margin for error. They need to find a way to to win, you know, try to break even, try to win four games, whatever it might be. But they, they can't continue – to get run over by the Dodgers now when time is really running out on the season. Three and six, win one series, uh, something like that. Not yeah. not get swept here this weekend. You still have a winning trip. Uh, yeah. I hate to have a loser mentality, but like, like I consider it a success if they win one of three this a success i'm putting air yeah. quotes for those listening later if they win one of three here this weekend and finish this trip six and three hey fine whatever right um and then heck next weekend after the diamondbacks you uh, get a day off and then you play the dodgers again next weekend at home right yeah um that'll be great atmosphere and and maybe win that series okay you yeah. got one more midweek series so i think it's the third to last now it's a third to last series because you tack that giants on at the end right, so right. You, they, you're, you're right go go four and nine heck go three and six whatever um you say they're on pace for over 90 except right yeah they, they gotta play the dodgers nine times so exactly um, so- look i still say it's a good enough team to compete with the dodgers but they haven't showed it this year and i know that is this contradicting myself whatever i still say that they're they are good enough and the dodgers well- have been- hit with if this was the Padres we'd be saying oh man absolutely is Tony Gonsolin's out for the year because you know oh it, it went from well we think this is minor to yeah the MRI yeah. didn't go great he's gonna see a doctor so we, yeah we, we would know what the next announcement would uh, yes. <laughs> would would be but I, I do think I don't think the Do- the Padres are not at the Dodgers level no. on a long-term right. basis but you don't have to do that you need no. to be on their level 
on a short-term basis. And yes. for a weekend here and a weekend there, they should be better than what they've shown. Certainly should be better than what they showed last month yes. uh, up in uh, up in LA. So, uh, and and really most of uh, most of this year. So we'll see if anything has uh, has changed. You know, so far it, it will be hot. The ball will be carrying at at Dodger Stadium and you know the Padres uh that not necessarily good when Manaya is pitching but um but we'll see the Dodgers are certainly going through a stretch now where they're they have lost guys you know like you mentioned Gonsolin Kershaw came back yesterday and pitched great the Padres won't see him probably won't even see him next week I haven't looked at the Dodgers schedule but if uh if he pitched Thursday that figures that he would then pitch in the middle of the week Padres might not see him next week either you know, Walker Bueller's obviously gone. Dustin May's back. The bullpen, Blake Trinan is supposed to be back tonight, although his his velocity was down, I read, in his last rehab start. Dave Roberts said, well, we're hoping that the adrenaline will, you know, being back in the big leagues will carry him. But that's got to be a little bit of a concern. Gratterall is hurt again, yeah. uh, so he won't be pitching uh, this weekend. Uh, we know they lost Bueller, so... Yeah, it'll be, uh, it's it's always fun. The games won't be short, I'm sure. And uh, you can prepare for, for a couple of long nights there. That's how it is when you, uh, when these two face for the last uh, two years in particular, for sure. But right. I think that's um, it, Jay. I think, what, else what, we, else? what else do we miss? That's about all. Uh, I think that the Padres, I believe, called up Matt Beatty and Reese Kinnear. Those are the two extra guys for the September call-ups. Obviously, Alfaro, when he comes back, somebody will have to go. I don't know if that would be Camposano or if they would keep him around and be, you know, be another, be one of the other guys. We'll see what, what happens there. Any other like, housekeeping type things? Nurse Johnson has been pitching very well. I would imagine that is imminent for him to uh-huh. come back. Uh, not to, He pitched last night, I believe, so... Not today necessarily, but uh, he has gone, I, I believe, checked almost all the boxes unless they want him to go back to back. So that's big. Drew Pomeranz, well, I haven't found out, but we'll find out maybe a little bit more today whether he has a chance to be back this year. So Craig Stammen uh, still has a little bit more work to do down there, probably get a maybe a uh, transferred over to AAA uh, to get some more work in. But, uh, you know, it's interesting the bullpen somewhat shaping up. I know it got a little rough these last couple of days, but it's been a very good month for the bullpen. Or I should say right. August was right. a very good yeah. month for five or six relievers down there. Yeah, I think that's about it, Jay. And, um, you know, so next week, uh, Monday, all of you except me will be working. When I say all of you, I mean Jay. And, well, Jay, you'll still be working because I'll make you. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, and then uh, we'll, we'll just skip the podcast against the Diamondbacks because they play the Diamondbacks enough. You don't need to hear about that. But uh, we'll do a podcast next Thursday in advance of the uh, Big Dodger series at Peckle Park. Right. That sounds uh, sounds like a good plan. And if, if something huge happens over the weekend, we'll, yeah, sure. we'll try to pop in on Tuesday. But for now, let's plan on uh, next Thursday. So we hope everyone has a, uh, a long and safe holiday weekend. And we'll talk to you next week. Take care, everybody.